Well, we are going to uh, start a new series, and uh, we're going to be going through the book of Hebrews. Um, titling is better, because, well, Jesus is better. And that's essentially what the book of Hebrews is. I have been setting on this for way too long. I have been saying for years I was going to do a series on Hebrews. I've done short little series on like Hebrews 11, and I keep thinking I'm going to do a full series on Hebrews. And then I was had a friend of mine that uh, helps out with some encouragement, some motivation when it comes to a lot of my YouTube content. She called me out online without calling me out specifically online because she said she had a conversation with a friend and in that video she was just going to throw him under the bus because he likes to hold all of his content hostage. And I'm like, throwing him under the bus, like a school bus? Way to go, Diana, just calling me out. So she said she was going to be nice and not use my name, but she was still throwing me under the bus because I will typically set on content. I have all of these ideas, and I love the fact that God just gives me idea after idea after idea after idea. The problem is I just have so many ideas, and I, I suffer from a thing that's called perfection paralysis, uh, so I want it to be perfect. And because I want it to be perfect, I fail to remember that I'm not perfect, so it'll never be perfect, so why am I just holding it, and then I'm paralyzing myself, and of course she says, holding the content hostage. And so as I was thinking about holding the content hostage, and then I'm looking through a vlog that I had recorded, what was that back in, is that August that we met with the Perkins family down at the Toot Toot or down in that area? Yeah, so it was like August of last year, like we're a year. I recorded this a year ago, and it is still sitting in an unedited folder on my desktop on my computer, and I just haven't touched it. And so I'm scrubbing through that footage, and one of the things that I had asked uh, Luke Perkins, who's a missionary down in Haiti, and I had asked him because he was up here, I was like, um, at the time, I didn't even know what I was preaching that Sunday. And I was kind of setting with this Sunday, not quite sure. I had a bunch of different ideas. What should I do? What should I do? Shouldn't. And uh, in that video, I asked Luke, what should I preach this Sunday? And he said, uh, just give him Jesus. Mm. So I was holding all this content hostage, holding it hostage. And then when I look at the content that I was holding hostage for a year, he says, just give him Jesus. And then it was like, oh, I guess I know what I'm preaching this Sunday, especially things that you would read through the book of Hebrews. And if you look at the book of Hebrews, even though we don't know who the author is, there's a lot of different guesses as to who it could be. But I love actually the fact that we do not know who the author is. And because we don't know who the author is, we can't focus on who the author is. So we just have to focus on whatever the author wants us to focus on, which is... Jesus. And the whole aim for the book of Hebrews is to show us that Jesus is better. Better than everything that is out there. And because Jesus is better, not only can he be trusted with our salvation, he can be trusted with our daily walk. And so what I want to do today is I want to start to look at just a couple highlights throughout the book of Hebrews because I've been working on this series forever, it's not complete, but it's complete enough. 
I don't have to have it perfect to know that God's going to take this and he's going to use this and he's going to bless us and he's going to encourage us through this. So if you've got your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. If you do not have your Bibles with you today, it's a good thing that we've got some technology and we can pull up Hebrews chapter 1 up on the screen for you. And if we start off, we're going to look here just right at the beginning. The first four verses of this book. The first four verses of this chapter. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the power of, or the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. In times past, God spoke to us. God likes to speak to us. Why? Because he wants a relationship with us. So he's obviously wanting to speak to us. And this starts off and it talks. It's like, hey, in the former days, God spoke to the fathers through the prophets. And that's absolutely true. I mean, he did that. We can see in, uh, I'm going to go out of order here, Nancy, but in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9, you see, he says, Then the Lord put forth his hand, touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. He's speaking to us through the prophets. Through the prophet Jeremiah, he did this. But he didn't just speak to us through the prophets. God spoke in a lot of different ways. He spoke by dreams and by visions as well. In Genesis 15, verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And even Job talks about this in Job 33, 14 through 16. He says, For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon a man while slumbering in their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. God's speaking to us. He's spoken to us all this way through the past. And while he'll speak through visions and he'll speak through dreams and he'll speak through prophets, if we're not listening, he continues to speak. We see that in Numbers 22 when Balaam wouldn't listen, so he used his donkey to get his attention. He's like, if you're not going to listen to me through a dream, through a vision, through the prophets, through everything that I've told you, how about I just make your donkey stop moving and then when he stops moving and he starts cracking him with a stick, God opens the mouth of the donkey and the donkey looks at Balaam and he's like, why'd you hit me? Why were you striking me? Am I not your donkey? Have I not given you all of this help? Now, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I don't have a donkey. But if I'm at home and all of a sudden one of my dogs jumps up on the couch, looks at me, opens up its mouth and in English starts saying, hey, why are you being so mean? I'm going to lose it. <laughs> like, I'm, what is going on here? I'm going to start looking around. Everybody else see me? 
And if somebody said, hey, I want to take this and I want to write it down and I want to put it in a book and tell the whole world that you're crazy and you heard a dog talking, like, no thank you. But yet that's how God is working with us because he wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us. And yet this was how it happened in the Old Testament. This is how it happened in the Old Testament, but all of a sudden, we have a better form of communication because he sent his son to communicate directly to us. Not just that, oh, God's going to show up in visions and God's going to show up in dreams and God's going to reveal himself through a donkey or, or speak to a prophet. No, he spoke through his very son, the image of him himself, right here in the flesh that we as Followers of Christ could manif be manifested in his presence, see him, hear him, listen to him. And many people are like, well, I mean, how is he speaking to me? His word. Amen. He's given us his word. Amen. Abram didn't have this. Jeremiah didn't have this. Job didn't have this. Balaam sure didn't have this. But we have this. Even the early apostles, the disciples, they did not have this. We do. And now we can look at it and we can see how God spoke in times past. We can see he spoke through the prophets, through visions, through dreams, through donkeys. He spoke in all those ways. And yet everything in the Old Testament is pointing directly to Jesus. What God was trying to get through to us is, I'm your father. I'm your creator. I want a relationship with you and I'm going to communicate to you. I just need you to be listening and I will reach you in ways that you can't even imagine. Man, he's trying to speak to us. And if God could speak in all of those ways in the Old Testament, you want to talk about Jesus being better? Jesus is a better communicator. He communicated better than the prophets did. He communicated better than visions and dreams and donkeys because he is the fullness, the embodiment of the entire scripture. He is God in the flesh speaking directly to us, not just in a, in a soulish realm of our visions and dreams, not just in, in a physical realm of through our ears, but he's catching us everywhere, spirit, soul, body, speaking to us in our complete being. Jesus is better. And God is speaking to us, but the question is not, is God speaking or how is God speaking? It's, are we listening? Are we actually listening to God? See, the thing is, is that this culture, I don't know if you realize this, but this culture is so fast-paced. Like I'm sitting here and I'm thinking back on, on some of these things. Like I've been doing YouTube and digital ministry for about four years now. And when I first started, I was looking at a lot of these ministries that are out there, even a lot of these YouTubers, and they're trying to put together these videos and to kind of introduce and show people who they are and what they're about. They had what they call a stinger, a little intro it was a bumper video, if you will, that they would play, and it would basically just let them know, hey, this is the channel, this is what I do, this is what it's about. And most of those, when I started, were about 20 seconds long. Which is funny, because in the church world, we were playing stuff that was like 30 to 60 seconds long in the equivalent. So the rest of the culture was that much faster than us. And of course, Christians wondering, why is nobody watching my content? Well, you bored them to death. 
They can't put up with that slow pace. Come on, pick up the speed. We're in a hurry. <laughs> like this is the fast paced culture. That was four years ago, 30 seconds. That's kind of where they were at. Some of them doing 20 seconds and I thought I'm gonna be ahead of the curve and I'm gonna bump it up. I went 10 seconds. Cut the time, traditional time in half. All of my peers that are out there doing things, they're wondering why they're not getting the views, why their audience retention isn't there, why aren't people watching all the way through? And I was like, well, you lost them at 30 seconds in because 30 seconds in, you didn't even get to what you were planning on talking about. They're like, come on, get to the point. And then they flipped and they went on to the next thing. I mean, did you ever notice that we've got these things on our television like DVRs? Used to be called a TiVo. You can skip through the commercials and now stuff is streaming on demand and you can pay an extra few dollars so you don't even have to watch the commercials. Like commercials, what are those? Why do we watch them? I get aggravated on my phone when all of a sudden I'm trying to read an article and an ad pops up. I'm like, get out of my way. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't click on this to see you. I clicked on it to read the content. It's like, get to the point. 10 seconds on YouTube, that was four years ago. Two years ago, I sped it up. I went from four seconds down to two seconds. Like it was so quick, instead of it saying, you know, uh, I think the, the initial intro singer you guys might remember because we were doing something in the car, I think it had this British female voice saying, what was it like, uh, in sharing God's love in a digital world and encouraging people to live by faith. This is Joshua Verwers, which in a British voice, I was like, I just love the sound of my name in that voice. <laughs> now that was 10 seconds long. I was like, how am I gonna cut that down? Well, I cut it down, so all I did was like, it was a just simple little percussion. And it had my name pop up and then living by faith. And that was it. You know what's happened in the last two years? I've seen that even that segment, when I look at my videos, people stop watching as soon as that pops on. So in the last six months, I haven't even put that stuff on. I just get straight to the content. I'm not doing a, a setup. I'm not doing an intro. I'm not doing a stinger. Why? Because people just won't wait around. Our culture is so fast paced. It is so fast paced that now listening has become that much harder because we are full of distractions. They are all around us. I've got an electronic device here, electronic devices there, electronic device sitting in my pocket. All of these things trying to get our attention. And yet even with this, it's still slow. The pace is slow, which might be why we aren't listening. I said the question is not about is God speaking, or how is he speaking? It's, are we listening? And the sad reality is, no, we're not listening. I don't know how many times I've done a series on like, did God really say, or we did the coffee cup verses, which are the misinterpreted verses of the Bible. There are so many things that the world believes the Bible says that the Bible never said. And they don't know any better because they've never read it. And it's not just the world, it's Christians. We haven't read it. We're not listening to God when he's spoken. So all of a sudden, if something sounds good, well, it must be God. The problem is sometimes the good things will turn into God-sized things, and they are still the wrong things. 
Because when we stop listening to one thing, we start listening to another thing. When we stop listening to God, we start listening to whatever. Here's another way of putting this. What is guiding the decisions you make? Who or what are you actually listening to? What's guiding the decision? Are the decisions you're making being guided by the word of God or are the decisions that you're making being guided by friends and family? Is the decisions that you're making in your life being guided by the word of God or is it being guided by Fox News or CNN? Is the decisions that you're making in your life being guided by the word of God or just by the world? What is guiding the decisions? See, we're in this, this fast-paced culture with all these distractions around them. And, and a lot of them sound good. A lot of them sound good, but when we start following the good things, we get off of following the God things. Our life is so vast and so long, and we are so focused on the here and now that we are truly missing what it is that God is actually saying to us. I've heard this from I don't know how many Christians like, well, I'm just, I'm trying to just live right now and I'm, I'm not worried about what's coming later. I'll get to that later, but right now I just need to do this. Right now I've got these struggles. And then because they've got so many struggles and they're so focused on the struggles, they become having a tunnel vision, looking at what is right here in front of them. And when they start looking at their problems, when they start looking at all of the things that are holding us up, the distractions of the world, they take their eyes off of God. When they're listening to the culture, when they're listening to their problems, when they're listening to everything that's going wrong, they stop listening to the one who is right. I decided I'd do a fun little illustration here and pull out this, this rope. And if you will, just imagine that the length of this rope is the length of our life. And this isn't a perfect illustration by any means because uh, we're eternal beings or will be. It's just whether we spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. But just for an illustration, you imagine that it is a long life, right? And yet that's about what we've got here on this earth. About 70 years. It's kind of interesting that the Bible has said that, that man will live 70 years. Now some people live more than that. Some people live a lot less than that. But the average has been 70 years. With all the technology and the medical advancements we have, the one thing they haven't figured out how to do is make us live longer. Thousands of years ago, God's word says, yeah, 70 years. Thousands of years later, we're like, oh, it's about 70 years. Nothing is going to change that. And yet we are so focused on this time that we're neglecting that time. And if that is the amount of time that we're going to spend in eternity with God, we better make sure that whatever we are doing here is setting us up for that, rather than whatever we are doing here is setting us up to have none of that. What are we listening to? Who are we listening to? Who's guiding our decisions? 
The Apostle John, you know, the one whom God loved? The Apostle John, like he knew that there were a lot of voices out in the world and there would be a lot of distractions out there in the world, which is why he wrote down, he made sure to tell us in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, it's not just him that is loved by God, but you are loved by God. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Oh, just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's God. Test the spirits. I mean, if you guys have heard me say it once, you've probably heard me say it a dozen times. If you haven't, stick around a little while longer and you will real fast. You have no business believing a word that comes out of my mouth unless you can find it in God's word. Don't believe me. Believe God. Don't put your trust in me. Put your trust in God. Don't have faith in me. I'm just a man. I failed before. I'll fail again. Put your faith in God. If I'm saying it, test that spirit. Test my spirit. Is what I'm saying actually so or not? How do we know if it's of God? Well, we can check God's word. Did what I say actually line up with God's word? The problem is 90% of what the world is peddling out there does not line up with God's word. Oh, sure, they take little biblical nuggets. They know how to word things like Psalms. And it sounds right, but it's not right. And he's telling us, test the spirits. Make sure that this is actually so. Test the spirits of man. Test the spirits that aren't of man. See, sometimes we even get in here and we'll wind up having biblical teachings inside the body of Christ. Biblical teachings. You can find it in your Bible. So it is not false doctrine. It is good. There are people that will talk about end times and preach about end times. And it's good to know and understand about end times. But when all you're doing is focusing on end times and you're not even acknowledging the here and now... Well, that's not of God. That's not of God because he wants us to be busy now, but living for eternity. There's a reason he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't want us to just wait to get to heaven. He wants heaven to get in us now. He wants heaven on earth. Let's give the world a taste of truth. Let's give the world a taste of heaven. There's a lot of these different doctrines that are out there. And and unfortunately, with us as Christians, we get in and we'll listen to a sermon and the sermon becomes like a pep talk. And all of a sudden we're so energized and we're so encouraged by the pep talk that we just got that we will focus on that one singular thing. Rather than taking that one thing and applying it to how does this supposed to impact my life here and now and for then and thereafter? What is God wanting me to do right now to help me grow in him and grow closer to him? I also find it fascinating that if we look there in Hebrews, he starts to call out something. The author does. Calling out something right there if you look at in verse 4. Having become so much better than the angels... Like, we're talking about Jesus being better, and all of a sudden the author here is like, oh, no, he's so much better. So much better than the angels. Why is is he bringing that out? We'll see in this context. 
the early Christians that he was talking to, that the author was writing to. I'm saying he, but as far as I know, it could have been a she that wrote it too. Yes, there are several people, several great theologians that do believe that could have actually been written by Priscilla. It's possible. I don't care who wrote it. I care that it's the word of God and that it's powerful. I sit there and I think about the context of this and what is the context of this passage? What is the context of this chapter? An early Christians that were suffering through persecution, early Christians that, I mean, they were desperately needing to keep their focus on Jesus. And yet the world was talking about all of these other things that are out there. And there were even Christians that were talking about, well, don't you remember how the angel of the Lord appeared to us in the Old Testament? We need to be focusing on the angels. We need to be looking at the angels. And even the author of Hebrews, when we get down into Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. But that's not about focus or put your focus on angels. That's like, hey, newsflash, you don't know who you're talking to at any given point in time, so you better be hospitable to everybody. But some people have even taken this and used that scripture into a huge doctrine about how we need to be focused on angels. No, we need to be focused on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is so much better than the angels. You think that the angels, you know what the angels are for? Angels are servants. That's what they are for. That's what God created them for, to be servants. You know what God created Jesus for? To be a servant. Now, who was the better servant? Jesus or the angels? Angels couldn't save you. Angels can't rescue you. Angels are just servants. They're just messengers. Jesus is the Savior. He is the master. He is the Messiah. He is so much better. And there's nothing wrong with being aware that angels exist and knowing about angels. We need to know that. We need to understand that. But if our knowledge and our understanding of angels gets us focusing on them rather than focusing on Jesus, we've missed the point. We have missed the point. Are we listening? Jesus essentially asks us the same thing. I love it. Not just the prophets that are asking these things, not just the prophets that are speaking. It's not just visions. It's not just dreams, not just donkeys. Jesus himself, John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice. We can stop right there and just ask, are we hearing Jesus's voice? If we're not hearing his voice, can we really say that we belong to him? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. When I sit there and I see Christians that are falling away from the faith, that are questioning their faith, that are doing reconstruction, because now I need to reassess everything that I have ever known about Christianity. You don't know Christianity if that's what you're doing. You've never known if that's what you're doing. Because true Christianity is that I know who Jesus is, the Son of God that came, that died for my sins, and that if I will just put my faith and trust in Him and confess that He is my Lord, I will have eternal life. That is the heart of the gospel. That is the key to salvation. What needs reconstruction constructed in that? 
What do we need to reanalyze about that? If we're doing that, we don't know. We never knew. Or maybe we knew and we forgot because we stopped listening to him. And we started listening to the world. And we started listening to our problems. And we started listening to culture. We started listening to distractions. We started listening to other voices and false teachers and false doctrines. We started listening to something other than his word. He is the word. This original group of Christians that he's writing to, that, that the author's sending here and saying, hey, you need to know that Jesus is better. Like the entire book, and I love this because the more I've read this book and the more I read it and the more I read it, I'm like, Jesus is better. He is better. Better than everything out there. He's better. He's the name above all names. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, when, when I'm preaching, yeah, Luke, I just need to give him Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is better. No matter what you're going through, Jesus is better. He's the answer. He's the solution. He's the problem solver. I, I don't need to, to give you a pep talk. I need to give you a prompt. See, what a pep talk does is it makes you feel more enthusiastic. It makes you feel more energetic about the thing you're supposed to do. Here's the thing. Pep talks make you feel. You don't need feelings. You need faith. And you know where the faith comes? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You don't need a pep talk. You need a prompt. You need a reminder about who Jesus is, what he's done, and what that means for you. These early Christians needed a reminder that Jesus is better. You need to be reminded that he is the God over all and he is still in control. You need to remember that you have a God who is over all things and holds all things together. You need to remember that Jesus conquered the death. He conquered the grave. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And you know what else that means? That means that he is the name above all names. That means he is the one that saves. He is better than all. You need to remember Jesus is better. Jesus is better. There's something about remembering. You read through scriptures. That word remember, remember these things. Set your mind on things. Lay up these memorial stones. Why? So you remember that God brought you through. Even in Psalms, we see this. Psalms 143, verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hand. What is he meditating on? Read the whole thing of Psalms. You start to see. You go back. Psalms chapter 33, verse 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke... And it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. God's word is amazing. God's word is so good. And remember that everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. Maybe we just need to remember what Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 and 3 says. It says in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom 
He also made the worlds. Everything you see was made through Jesus. That's why he's better. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. <laughs> he's speaking. He's better, upholding everything by his word. When he had by himself purged our sins. Remember that. Remember that. See, so much of us, we sit there and we look at the needs that we have in life, and we're so focused on the needs, the things that we do need. We forget that he's the answer to our needs. He's the answer to our needs. The greatest need that we ever had was for our sins to be wiped away. He did that. No one else did that. Angels didn't do that. Preachers didn't do that. The culture didn't do that. The world didn't do that. We sure didn't do that ourselves. Jesus did it. He's better. He is the remedy for our deepest needs. And if he'll take care of our deepest needs, and the word says that he gives us the desires of our heart, it's not just our needs, it's also our desires. Why are we not running to him more often? He is better. Jesus is better. What do we do in light of this when we read this? I mean, four short verses that lay out the fact that he's better. He was there in the beginning. He's going to be there in the end. He's already, he's ahead of us. He was there before us. He's there after us. There's a reason he's the Alpha and Omega. He was there at the formation of the world. Now he's seated at the right hand in majesty, waiting for our return, waiting for us to come home. Like he's there. He's like, hey, I got a place prepared for you. Come home. What do we do in light of that? How do we respond to this? I mean, I think the first thing that we should probably do is reflect, examine ourselves, examine our hearts, ask ourselves, has there been something that I am listening to more than I've been listening to Jesus? Because if I've been listening to something more than I'm listening to his word, maybe that thing has become supreme in my life. Maybe that's become my new God. Perhaps it's a career. Perhaps it's a relationship. Perhaps it's some secret sin that we have. All of a sudden we start focusing on that. We stop focusing on God. I said it many times, these good things that are even in our life, careers are good. Relationships are good. Secret sins are not. <laughs> But even when you make your career so good that it becomes your God, it's not good. When you make a relationship so supreme that it trumps Jesus, that relationship's not good. I had to do this years ago just as a, a practical thing. When people wanted to know, who am I? I used to start out by saying I was a pastor. Now that's, that's my calling. That's my career, but that's not who I am. I've got to get things in a proper perspective. The proper perspective is that I'm a Christian. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor and a bearded black coffee lover. <laughs> I like coffee, but I couldn't put that above Christ. 
Like I had to get things in perspective. And I didn't say that for other people to know. I said that for myself to remind myself, Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is my Lord. I am so thankful for Jesus and the fact that he's still speaking to us. He is a better communicator. I mean, I I don't know if you guys have ever caught this, but nine times out of ten, if you come up and you say, hey, that was a good message, my response is praise God. I I don't want to let it get to my head that somehow I did something. And I'm reminded weekly when I preach a message and I think, hey, this is the point of this message. And then y'all start talking to me about what you receive. And I'm like, but I I wasn't even planning on putting any of that in there. Yet I still thank God. Because he communicated more effectively than I could. Because he spoke something to each and every one of you at the exact same time. And used the words coming out of my mouth to hit the meaning that you needed. That's not about me. That's about Jesus. Jesus is better. He is speaking. Are we listening? Let's pray.